Welcome to the World of Wellness Center podcast. I'm your host, Megan Zucram. As an exercise physiologist, I specialize in health and fitness programming for special populations. Over the years working with clients, I have seen that there's so much more to health than just fitness. And there's so much more to fitness than just exercising. So this World of Wellness podcast is dedicated to helping you learn about all things health, fitness, mindset, and motivation so you can transform into the healthiest, happiest, most confident version of yourself. Welcome back to the World of Wellness Center podcast, everybody. I am so excited because I have a two-part podcast for you with none other than nutrition coach Andy Mayhew. This was just too good of a conversation to keep into one podcast. So in this part one, we will talk about food sensitivities and also using the mindset to reach your health goals with food. So let's get right into it. Andy, thanks for coming on the podcast today. Tell tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, thank you for having me, Megan. Uh, My name is Andy Mayhew. I am a nutrition coach and health coach. I uh, work out of Northern California, but I have the pleasure of coaching people all around the world. And I love food. I love how it tastes. I love making it. And I really love understanding how it works in your body. Because that was the one part that nobody ever taught me. And it ended up getting me in trouble early on in my life. Um, and I realized that nobody really knew this information. And so as soon as I learned it myself and kind of climbed out of a hole I had dug myself into... I said, hey, I want to learn this for real. And so I went back to school in my 30s. Um, That was about my third career by that time. And I started coaching people on nutrition and I've been doing it for about seven or eight years now. Awesome. So you said something about nobody really knows this stuff. And I feel like that's a huge thing when it comes to nutrition is that nobody knows because there's so much out there. Tell me a little bit more about what you didn't know and that you wanted to share with other people. Um, my health journey started when I was 26. I know right when it started, I, I, I started working for a food manufacturing company and they were on the, like, of, they were a tortilla company and they made the quote unquote healthy tortillas. And so I started learning the difference between, you know, like whole grains and non-whole grains and, and maybe what some type of good fat was versus bad fat. And I felt I had a good idea about what healthy food was. And growing up, my mom was health conscious. It wasn't that she wasn't, you know, we didn't have candy in the house. We weren't eating dessert all the time, but, you know, we ate cereal for breakfast, um, you know, macaroni and cheese and casseroles, you know, the typical kind of growing up in the late seventies, eighties household. And it wasn't for, um, a lack of trying. It just, this stuff isn't taught in most people's household unless they have, let's say a nutritionist or a doctor who cares to learn about it in their house. Um, or, or maybe they just learn it on their own when they get older. It's not taught in school. I mean, I, you know, we all had one biology class, you know, and, we're, and we weren't learning anything about nutrition there and, you know, go to the hot lunch line in school and what are they serving? It's just a bunch of junk. There's nothing healthy really around that. And culturally, at least in, in the United States, it wasn't really uh, advocated for. So I grew up on 
you know, candy bars when I could find them on chocolate milk when, uh, you know, I went to the store and bought it myself and my mom's cooking. And that was fine until I got into my mid twenties and started feeling the effects of it. Um, and, and I really suffered, you know, for a long time. I had this, this just nagging post nasal drip. Like I would always have to clear my, 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 my sinuses and stuff like every 30 seconds. And I did that for like my whole life. One side of my nose was always clogged up and it would switch back and forth throughout the day. So I'd only ever be able to breathe out of one nostril. And it was like that forever until I stopped drinking milk and it cleared up within like three days. Wow. And I was pissed. I was like, wait a minute. This, I could have stopped this in three days, this whole time, if I would have just known. And somebody would have just told me because somebody did suggest, hey, why don't you quit dairy? It happened to be a nutritionist that I met at the job I was working at. And um, from there on, I was like, oh, there's what else is there to know? You know, and so it's it's become a, a, a passion and a purpose of mine to just educate people. I mean, I wish I could, you know, yell out to the world and not so much to encourage them to eat like me or, or even eat a certain way, but just here's the information, do what you with, you know, with it, make your own decisions, but here's the information because you do deserve to know because this is your body and we need to know how it works. So if somebody has what you had with like a post-nasal drip and then they didn't even think that it might be food sensitivity, but then they, they just kind of had a thought like, how, how does the process work? Cause somebody goes, okay, something's wrong. Where do I start with trying to figure out what it could be in my diet? Our bodies are amazing adaptive machines that are constantly trying to be in health. Like every second that you are alive, your body is trying to be in a state of optimal health. We just get in the way. Our lifestyle gets in the way, especially our current lifestyle. So it's a lot of what you'll see in you know magazines and um, in media, even a lot of Google stuff is eat this is healthy, eat that is healthy. They're telling you like you know kind of like the magic bullet. Well, you know eat acai you know berries and make smoothies with them, and you'll feel like a million bucks. I see that we have a lot of low hanging fruit in identifying the foods that are in our diet that we shouldn't be eating and taking them out. So for instance, if somebody has, you know, sinus problems, if they have like a lot of mucus buildup, um, you know, they get, you know, belly aches um, or they get a lot of colds and stuff, I would say maybe it's dairy. And the easiest thing to do is just stop that food for seven days. And that means like diligently stop it, like take every little single part of dairy out of your diet for a complete seven days. Ten days would be better, but I think seven days is sufficient. And then you bring it back in one time. So let's say, for example, somebody uh, likes cheese. They're like, I don't really drink milk. It, it doesn't really settle good on my stomach, but I like cheese. But I want to see if I'm sensitive to dairy. Then they would just take all dairy out of their diet for seven days. Milk, cheese, sour cream, butter, any whey uh, protein or casein or anything like that. So you have to look in your energy bars. You have to look in your protein mixes. You have to get it all out. Then on the eighth day, eat a nice serving of some of your favorite cheese 
and see if something happens. Now, within that seven-day period, if a person had a sensitivity to the food they removed, they should start seeing benefit from that. Like, let's say they had, you know, clogged, uh, clogged nasal passages. They should see some of that stuff subside. And then when they eat the food that was causing it, if that's the case, it will come back. And it's the gold standard of identifying food sensitivities. There's lots of uh, blood tests that you can get out there, but none of them trump the, uh, the, the effectiveness of just going on an elimination diet and then testing foods one by one to see what you're sensitive to. And so, you can do that with anything. Yeah. If, so say somebody might think that they're allergic to dairy or allergic to wheat. Would you suggest that they cut both of them out at the same time or do one and then the other so that they can test? There's two approaches to it. Um, there's the, um, you know, there's the veil and there's the hammer. I mean, if you want to use the veil approach, you would just do kind of one at a time. Cause you're like, well, if I take dairy and I take bread out, then that, that cuts out half the things I'm eating right now, maybe. And that's, that could be the case. Um, it's a little slower process because if you're sensitive to, let's say, wheat and dairy, and they're both in your diet and you just take one out, well, you're continuing to eat something that is, that is causing sensitivities. And so you're going to continue in this inflamed body because really that's what sensitivities re respond with is inflammation from the immune system. So it gets, makes it harder to identify. I would, uh, the best way to do it, the hammer, is to take them both out. Again, for that seven to 10 day period. And then when you bring them back, you bring them back one at a time in a three day rotation. Hmm. So let's say you, you stopped on Sunday night. You know, you <laughs> ate a big bowl of ice cream and, you know, <laughs> had some cookies with it. Okay, so Monday, no more. So you go Monday to Monday, and then on Tuesday, you would try either a wheat product or a dairy product, and then you would wait three days and see if your body reacts. Do you have a headache? Do you have any sinus problems? Is there any itching in your throat? Do you have any bloating or pain or heartburn? Is your skin rashy or itchy? Joint pain, problems sleeping, anything like that that you didn't have prior to those last few days leading up to that is a sign that you're sensitive to that food. And then at that point, one should make a decision. Okay. Do I want to continue to eat this food? Do I want to reduce it? You know, I mean, that's, that's where the challenge comes in because, you know, I mean, I think of uh, like just wheat and dairy. I mean, those two things, like look at, the grocery store, like half the products in the grocery store are going to have one of those two ingredients in them. So it, it, it does change a lot if, if a person takes the time to identify these things and finds out they're sensitive to it, then that's where they're at kind of a crossroads to see how much their health is worth. Yeah, that's actually... Go ahead. Okay, sorry. That's just interesting that you say that. Um, I was having a point in time where my fingers were swelling up. They were like itchy and red. And there's two things that I was eating. I was eating wheat tortillas and almond butter. And so I cut both of those out for a week. And then I did not do the almond butter, but I ate the wheat and my hands did not swell up. So I'm like, okay, it's the almond butter. And it's interesting because every time now, like I'll go into the cupboard, the almond butter is still there. I should just throw it out. But huh? I know in my head, I'm like, I know that this will make my fingers swell up because I know that my stomach can't process it. So I'm not going to eat it. So it's a conversation that I have in my head 
every time I see it. But what goes through where say say somebody knows that, but then they have trouble not reaching for it. So we talk about kind of what goes through mm-hmm. the mind kind of thing with that. Um, most people make change in their life um, running away from pain as opposed to running towards pleasure. So the pleasure of you not having the pain in your hands is not as strong as actually getting the pain and wanting to run away from it. Mm. And a person typically has to go through that for a while. Everybody's different. Some people, they just need it to happen one time and be like, well, I'm never going to do that again because it's pain and I, wanna, and I don't want that. Some people have to beat themselves up for quite some time. You know, um, I had, I've, I still struggle with that, Megan. Don't think that that's something that like is just isolated with you. I mean, there's, there, I have a lot of diet restrictions because I have a lot of food sensitivities because of the lifestyle that I had and the diet I had as an early, you know, as an early adult kind of just wrecked my gut and I developed all these sensitivities to it. I'm still working on that. Um, so it, you really got to uh, get ahead of the emotion because once, once that emotion of the, the hunger sets in and then the reward. So like you have hunger and then there's a reward right in front of you. So your brain puts that together and goes, well, if we get this, we knock out two birds with one stone. We knock out hunger and we get the pleasure of it. And you have to get ahead of that because once that takes hold, then now it's, it's harder to stop from doing it. Because look, our brains are designed to, to seek food all the time. We're an animal like any other animal is. You look at most any animals in nature or in the wild, what are they typically doing? They're either sleeping or they're looking for food or they're eating. That's what we did as humans for 99% of our existence because food was, it was a scarce resource. It wasn't, you know, there wasn't 7-Eleven and Safeway. So the art, we're living in like this, this world of abundance with a mindset of scarcity. Like we have to eat now. We have to eat as much as we can. And it has to be real nutrient and calorie dense because tomorrow there's going to be a famine and who knows how long that's going to last. But that's not true. But our brain thinks so. And so it's a matter of time. What do you mean by matter of time? The longer that you live with the, uh, the pleasure of not having swollen hands, the easier it will be to not go for the almond butter. Got it. Got it. The longer you continue to go for the almond butter, the longer it's going to be before you get to that point to where you look at it as that's not food for me anymore, or that's not food for me right now, which is probably a better term because a lot of people don't like the idea of never again. That makes them kind of nervous. What, when you say all these things, it also makes me think of alcohol in the same thing of like the, the thought of not having it is worse than having, having it. Is that, am I saying it right? But you know what I mean, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, (laughs) yeah. The, the, the pain of tomorrow needs to, needs to be strong enough to where, you know, it, it keeps you from getting there. And I mean, you, you hear people say that all the time. Oh, I'm going to pay for this tomorrow, but sure. I'll take another shot. I mean, people, you know it. I mean, you, you really know it. And I, I, you hear people do that with food too. 
you know, um, we beat ourselves up. We know it's coming. It's, it's not that people don't know what, you know, the, the main tenets of a healthy diet versus an unhealthy diet or, or a healthy lifestyle versus an unhealthy lifestyle. But again, we're also pleasure junkies. So we like pleasure. Um, you know, we like things that help us wind down and de-stress and calm down. And there's a lot of those things out there for us. You know, there's, there's uh, our, uh, our society and our, our capitalistic food society has really done a great job in designing foods and libations that, that are really enticing. So what kind of suggestion would you give to somebody who's kind of on the border of knows it, wants to stop, but isn't quite willing to stop? I, uh, when uh, this happens all the time, you know, when I'm working with people and I'll typically go through, you know, some questions with them, I'll ask them, you know, kind of what brought them to work with me in the first place. Cause it's not, that's not the easiest call to make, you know, to a nutritionist saying, Hey, I'd, I'd like some, you know, some coaching. Um, but even if a person isn't to that point and they're just sitting on their couch and they're, and they're, they're kind of on that fence going, yeah, I know this is not good for me, but I still want to have it. You gotta, you gotta approach, start approaching your lifestyle and your food uh, with a sense of maturity. Um, there's a lot of immaturity in the way that we approach um, our our day now. In that everything is like right away, it's instant gratification. You know, with our phones and computer and technology, you could have anything you want. I mean, almost within minutes, or at least you know, you can go through the process of having it. I mean, you can go on your phone and buy anything in the world in, in 60 seconds or less and then get it in the next couple of days. That's kind of a, a, an immature mindset. Because like if you put a, a, a plate of cookies in front of a kid, like let's say a five-year-old, and you say, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you don't eat these cookies for 20 minutes, you can have as many as you want. But if you want a cookie, you can have it right now, but you only get one. Most five-year-olds won't be able to wait. They just, their brains can't, they don't, they can't think that far ahead. And we mature in many other ways, except for with our food and our, and our health. We just continue to kick the can down the road and say, oh, tomorrow I'll start my diet. Tomorrow I'll start exercising, you know, next week or I got a birthday coming up in three weeks. So then after that, I'll stop drinking alcohol on the weekdays or something like that. You know, you got to have a sense of maturity and go, oh, wait a minute. How long am I going to kick the can down the road? What kind of health am I going to have if I continue this on this path 10 years, 20 years, 30 years from now? Because that day will come, you know, and youth only is on your side for so long. And then you're going to turn that corner and now you're fighting against father time and you're going to want your health because that's really all that matters. So they have to have these, these honest conversations with themselves and really try it because, you know, once you start on this path of a healthier lifestyle, life is better. You have more energy, you sleep better, you have more clarity, you're you know, your, your body will take the shape that you're looking for. And then you'll start to enjoy that. I think that first initial 
that that the idea we work with like the idea of starting is so much harder than actually starting because we spend so much time thinking about oh i want to start eating healthy oh i want to exercise but we would actually get so much quicker we would get to where we want to be so much quicker if we just started think about how much time that we can spend thinking i want to eat healthy or thinking that i want to exercise and it's it's really just a a small hill like the hill seems giant in our minds but it's actually once we get going it's a tiny little hill to climb over and then the benefits that we get from doing it we can see almost immediately especially if we haven't done it before well you I mean you get to see that all the time when you get somebody that you're working with for the first time and they actually, they're actually doing it. They're actually doing the workouts and exercising. And then, you know, so what's the feedback you get from people after that first workout? Well, everybody feels good they feel energized. It's exciting. It's like, Oh, that actually wasn't that bad. And I, I think eating healthy is the same way because as soon as you start eating healthy or start figuring out what works and what doesn't work for you in your diet, you feel great. And so I think we have to look past the, I want to have this pleasure and this endorphin release from getting this sweets or the alcohol and look at, okay, well, do I want to feel good for 20 minutes or do I want to feel good for 20 years? Yes, I I agree. And it doesn't have to come in, it doesn't have to be wrapped up in a package of, um, you know, bad food, like poor tasting food and, and, and and a lack of satisfaction. And, and inclusion even, you know, some, some people have a lot of press, cultural pressures around the food they eat. And, um, and so there's a fear that, oh, well, if I start adopting this healthy lifestyle and eat this certain way, uh, I'm going to be alienated. I'm going to have to explain myself to people. I'm not going to be able to, you know, enjoy, uh, you know, going to dinner and doing that. And that's where, you know, kind of I help people along to navigate, okay, this is the framework you kind of want to eat in. You have identified maybe these one or two foods that you really shouldn't be eating. What do you do when you go out to a restaurant? How does that work? What do you do when it's Super Bowl and, you know, there's a party and you know everything that's going to be around there? If, if the why is strong enough, the how works itself out. If you want it bad enough, you'll figure out how to do it. And that's true for anything whether it's your health or a new car or a house or a vacation, you know, we we're pretty good at figuring out how to get the things we want. We just need to want them bad enough. So you, you sparked something in my mind when you said the Super Bowl, because I think that in the sense in the social, in the social aspect of it, because I think that people think that it has to be all or nothing. Like their diet has to be super strict and this is how it's going to be, that there's never any room for cheat days. So then they don't even think, well, I'm just not going to do it. Cause I, I can't, it's, there's an all or nothing mindset that I see with my clients. Um, I'm curious as to what you think about that and how to work with that. I see the same thing. One, one of the biggest fears that people have around their diet is that sense of, of never, I can never have this again. Okay. Um, you know, I, I have a sensitivity to wheat. I eat wheat and it, you know, it blows my knee up or something like that. Oh God, I can never have wheat again. That's, you know, like that whole fear of missing out is it's real. And it, 
And maybe for that particular food, that is true. You're going to have to, you know, come to terms with that if you don't want your knee blowing up when you eat, uh, you know, a sandwich or a piece of pizza or something like that. But for a lot of other things, it's not, it's, you don't have to be that dogmatic about it. I have, I like to teach people a framework that identifies what I call foundation foods. These are the, the main foods that I'm suggesting they build their diet around. And then once they have that foundation food, then we have another category of special occasion and when in Rome. So things that you'll eat from time to time when it's a special occasion or, you know, like when you're in Rome, do what the Romans do. If you happen to, you know, be in France, you're going to have a croissant. You better. I would. And I'm sensitive to wheat and it's going to wreck me. But if I'm going to France, I'm going to have one of those damn croissants. And, and then you'll have a category where it says, not for me right now. You know, and, and if, if they build this, if, you know, together we build this or on their own, they build this framework right. And then they adopt it as a value system, like something that they really believe in. Like, you know, these are the, the foods that are going to make me healthy. There's plenty of variety in here to all have satisfaction and inclusion. And, you know, and I can celebrate with it. But then there's some other foods that from time to time, yeah, I'm going to have them, but they're not going to be part of my main diet, but they're going to allow me to feel like I'm able to join the party when the party's going on, as long as the party's not every weekend. And that's where we've kind of end up is, you know, a lot of people eat like it's Thanksgiving every weekend, you know, like a, a lot of food, you know, desserts appetizers, hors d'oeuvres, snacks. It's like we're eating all the time, which would be okay if we were out in the wild, but our biology can't keep up with that now. And we're, we're seeing the effects of that in our society. We're metabolically broken because of it. So yeah, you're, you're right, Megan. You have to be able to be comfortable with what you're doing or you'll lose energy, you'll, you'll lose steam with it. And, and to do that, I tend to bring the diet to people um, instead of asking them to come to me and like take everything away. Like, let me meet you where you're at and show you how to really improve what you're doing, but still, you know, hold on to your identity. Because a lot of our identity is wrapped up in, in our culture and food is a huge part of culture. Wow, I am just so jealous from this conversation that I'm having here with Andy Mayhew from Everyday Nutrition. So next week, tune in, we're going to talk about myths when it comes to fats, carbs, and proteins. And in the meantime, check out Andy's website at everydaynutrition.net. So can't wait to see you guys next time and have a great day.